I hope you enjoy the upcoming content that we'll have for you on today's episode. I think you'll get quite a bit out of it. And know that today's episode is brought to you by the Swim Master Melody Course at successwithmusic.com. If you are in the songwriting game, if you are in the production game, make sure you understand what it takes to create a melody before you get to mastering and mixing and all that man it all starts with a powerful melody check it out today it is absolutely worth the investment the swim master melody course at successwithmusic.com hey let's get to the show this is swim success with music Yo, this is Walt, and this is Success With Music. I am your music coach. I'm your, at a fancy restaurant, but still ask for french fried chooser, your, hey, when you buy a new house, no, I don't want to help you, mover. Am I bitter? Of course not. Yo, let's dive in. Hey, I appreciate you tuning in to the show. Again, this is Swim, Success With Music. I appreciate all of you musicians around the world checking us out and listening to the fun and informative information that we bring to you every week. And as we get into the top of the show here, I always like to start with something fun or interesting. Um, today, I want to talk about the Internet. I love the Internet. I mean, I love the Internet. But... I hate the internet. Uh, I hate the internet. So if you are, I don't know, on Facebook or Instagram, those types of things, chances are you are seeing people who are totally about that life, right? So you go on there and everybody, including, including grandma, they're out there having a good time. They're living that life on vacations, taking them selfies. Uh, they got the perfectly posed hotness going on. Their life is like on 10, right? And, and most of us feel kind of, you know, envious at times when we see this. But when we really think about what we're seeing out there on the uh, ye old Internet, we know a lot of this stuff is fake, right? Especially the people that you're closer to, your friends that are taking like 20 selfies just to get that one right or whatever, posing in front of that hot car or house or whatever. We kind of get used to seeing that stuff on social media, right? But I was shocked about something I heard about music. So, um, again, there's fake stuff on the internet. We all, we all know that over the years, as I've promoted music and been involved with some marketing online and things like that, I've heard about people buying like, uh, views on YouTube. I've heard about people artificially boosting their numbers just to make themselves look good or even buying like likes or followers, that type of thing. That That's nothing new. And a lot of times people, again, want to be bigger than life. So they go about, you know, buying these fake audiences or likes or whatever it may be. So today, again, preparing for the show, just poking around on the Internet, I came across something I did not know existed in the fake world of the internet. I was reading this article about a certain streaming service. In this article, this guy was talking about how he pretty much creates trash music. And he, he, I guess he does this for fun, which is kind of interesting and kind of funny too, but he creates trash music. He just loads up GarageBand, makes horrible music, 
Then he goes to like a digital distribution platform. I'm not going to name names, but they're out there where you can get your get your music on like, uh, you know, an iTunes or uh, Amazon, iHeartRadio, those types of things. The point was this guy would create fake band names and things like that. But an interesting thing, he created total trash music. He just made up some off-the-wall name. But here's the interesting thing is, and this is kind of the interesting fact for the day. He actually went to a particular place on the Internet and purchased streams. Now, what I mean by that is when you go to his fake artist page, you will see 10,000 streams of one of his singles. Now, if you're seeing him for the first time and you're listening to this track, you're thinking, oh, snap, this guy is awesome and people are following him and he has like 10,000 streams. This indie artist that you know nothing about. (laughs) But again, come to find out that there are services out there that will allow you to purchase fake streams. So here's my point. And it's an interesting thing that I found here. I'm just totally shocked by how fake the Internet is. But it kind of made me lose faith to a certain degree in the the numbers you see sometimes on people's pages for, you know, fans or for streams or for likes or views or whatever. Um, And obviously people do this in order to get a bigger following. So, for instance, if you go and you're scrolling through, I don't know, Facebook and you see that a a video got like, I don't know, 10 million views. I don't know about you. Chances are I'm going to click on it. Whereas the one that came from the dude around the block that was filming out in the backyard with his camera having a barbecue and there's like 21 views. I'm not really interested in that. And so people know that. So they purchase these streams to make it look like their music is really blowing up in the streaming world when it's actually not. So I bring that out to you today. Sorry to ruin the fantasy, you know, but there's a chance that some of these artists you're seeing out there, even the notable artists, that their streams may not be as high as you think they are. And the rumor is some record labels will purchase these things to artificially boost an artist's initial streams in order to get people to follow or get on board with this new track that the record label would release. So they pay tons of money to basically artificially boost these streams. I'm sorry, but the Internet is fake sometimes. I'm sorry. Anyhow, I'm sorry to ruin the, the ride for you, but hey, you, you, you at least have the fact that Santa Claus is actually real, so we're, we're good there. Let's, let's go ahead and move on to our main topic for today, and I want to discuss something that kind of came up in an indirect way, and, and let me explain. So I was talking to a guy that I know uh, the other day, and we we're just kind of chatting about shows that we watch, so he's asking me, hey, do you watch any Shows like on Hulu or Netflix or on TV, that type of thing. So we kind of got into just a regular discussion about what shows are hot or whatever. And for some reason, we got on the topic of uh, a show he watched and it happened to be like a thriller type of show. And apparently the show would freak him out because there were always these startling moments in the show. Now, these moments were preceded by a very quiet dialogue and the and the conversation 
would continue on at this volume and kind of drift off to the lowest possible point, barely to the point where you can hear the people talking. And then, bam, there was this loud, shocking, you know, gunshot or there's an explosion or a crash or a slam or whatever. And obviously, these TV producers or whomever, they they create these scenes purposefully to kind of draw you in. So it's getting all quiet and the voices are getting lower and lower. And you can kind of feel in the back of your mind that, wait a minute, something crazy is about to happen. And these TV producers or show creators or what have you, they do this to offer the, the viewer a more immersive and maybe more realistic experience. And they're doing this by mastering something that you should be mastering as a musician. And that is dynamics. All right. So if you don't already know, dynamics deal with how loud or how softly you play or sing. So a few weeks ago, I was coaching some musicians and we were playing a very, very simple song. This song is a pretty good song, but it's really repetitive. And in the song, there are just two main chord progressions throughout. Now, the words kind of change from the verses and the choruses and things like that. And, and there's a bridge. But again, it's pretty monotonous. And I think the uh, the there are only like three chords for each progression. So there's a lot of repetition for a song that only lasts for, I don't know, like three or four minutes. So uh, as I'm training these musicians, I kind of sit back and I observe each of the musicians go through the song. And at this point, they're just trying to get the song right and play all the chords and things like that. But as I was listening to them play the entire song, I got kind of bored because I'm like, hey, it's only, you know, for example, chords are one, four, five. I mean, it's not that deep. Just play it. But I realized my boredom was just beyond the the monotony of the uh, the chord structure. It was due to the lack of dynamics. So one of the pieces of advice that I gave to the musicians is you need to use dynamics in order to create a more lively experience with this song. The chords are not helping you out. The music structure of the song is not helping you out. It is up to you to really use dynamics to make this song a lot more engaging, more captivating. So just like the calm before the storm in TV shows and in movies, carefully positioned volume can take your music performance to new levels. So let's talk about three dynamic related concepts. So here's the first idea. Do not allow all vocalists or instruments to be at the same volume all of the time. Now, let, let's look at this from a composition standpoint. Let's say you're working with your digital audio workstation and you are laying down tracks. And let's say you have vocal tracks and you have your kick drum, you have snare, guitar, synth, percussion, what have you. A lot of times, as music creators, we're listening to our music, we're playing it back, for instance, and we may want to hear something more clearly. So let's say, for instance, you're saying, hey, wow, I like the guitar here. I really I want people to hear it. So you boost the volume. Then you realize, well, wait a minute. I want the kick drum to really pound really hard. So you boost that volume. Hey, I want the snare to really snap. So you boost that volume. The point is we sometimes can get into this trap of taking all the volume and then pushing it up to the point where 
everything in the song has the same volume level because we want everything to be in the forefront. I think this is a huge mistake. I believe the greatest music out there uses carefully positioned volume with respect to instruments. Well, let's let's go back to the movie then. So imagine you're looking at this beautiful scene in a movie, right? The way movies are shot, you'll have something that's in the foreground or the focus of the camera, for instance, right? And then you may have something that's on the periphery. And then you have things that are in the background and what have you. And there's depth in the actual shot of whatever you're watching. What I mean by that is... There are things that are closer in the shot. There are things that are further. There are things that span the background. There's different lighting, on and on and on. In music, you can kind of apply the same thing. You can have something that is designed to be in the forefront or the focus of the listener. And then you can have things that are more in the background, way back. Those things don't have to be super loud. Everything cannot be in the the, the, the main shot, as it were, when you're composing music or even when you're performing. I always make jokes about making solos or having solos throughout the entire song. But in reality, you know, if there's a lead vocalist and they're doing their thing and there's a verse or what have you, you can't have a solo blasting on top of the vocalist. That that solo has to, or that guitar or that instrument has to drop back, allowing a spotlight on that particular vocalist. Now, there will be a time, hopefully if you have a good sound, man, uh, when, let's say, that soloing instrument will then be brought up to the front in terms of the mix, as it were. And again, this can be live or this can be done uh, in a recorded scenario. The point being is everything cannot be in the spotlight. But if you use carefully crafted dynamics, this will allow depth of sound. So again, I encourage you to really try to use big contrasts, if you can, with your instrumentation. So allow certain things to be big and up front. Allow certain things to be way in the back. There may be things in the middle and throughout the song. And here's a good tip, a tip for you. Allow for some of these things to shift around as it relates to the section of the song that you happen to be in. So let me move on to my next point about dynamics so I can clarify that. A while back, I was creating a song for one of my artists. Um, it was kind of a, a dance track, and, and I thought it was a pretty good song. I let one of my good music friends that's been in the industry for quite some while, uh, some time listen to this particular track. And I just, I'm not sure if you guys have ever done this before, when you say, hey, check out my track, you're basically asking someone, hey, tell me how awesome I am. Pat me on the back. But you're not really looking for someone to tell you. So if this were me, I would change one, two, three, four and five. I wasn't really going to him for that <laughs> for that reason. Although I said, hey, check out my song. Tell me what you think. And just FYI, some of you guys do the same thing. You're like, hey, check out my song. But you, you really don't want honest feedback. You just want someone to tell you that, yeah, your song is hot and, you know, you, you need to Grammy for your efforts. So just FYI, if you do ask, ask someone to listen to your song, take the feedback. All right. So anyhow, so I'm, I'm playing my song for my friend and I spent, uh, for this particular track, literally months recording, producing, editing, mixing, mastering. It, it was a big undertaking. We're talking about for one song and I don't recommend that. 
as I said in previous podcasts, I'm bit I'm a bit of a, a perfectionist. Anyways, I'm thinking there could be nothing wrong with the song. So again, I'm just looking for validation about how sweet I am. So he's listening to it and he's like, ah, you know what? It's okay, but the song doesn't really go anywhere. And I'm like, what do you mean it doesn't go anywhere? I got an intro, got verses, chorus, got a bridge. What do you mean it doesn't go anywhere? There there are different lyrics. There's the change up in the music. He was referring to dynamics. So, for instance, uh, my kick drum. And again, mind you, this is an EDM track. So it's kind of a four to the floor type of deal there. The kick drum is just pounding at the same volume for the entire song. And he was like, hey, if I were you, when it comes to. Uh, areas where you have your verses, you should drop that kick down just a bit. Allow the song to breathe a bit. So you, when you get to the chorus, push the volume, maybe push it to the, the very edge. But in these verses, pull back on a bit, pull back a bit. And that allows for us when we do get into the chorus to really allow the song to punch through versus it being on 10 in terms of volume the entire way. And when I listen to his advice i didn't like it but <laughs> but when i listened to it i thought about it more and more i'm like you know what this this dude is right like my song is on 10 the entire way i always give this example imagine that you go to a restaurant and you order some nice steak or fish or what have you now you know some of these restaurants they always do little weird things like put uh, I don't know, like a little lemon wedge or some type of parsley on your food to make it look, you know, I guess more, I don't know, presentable, whatever. It's done as an accent, right? It's done as something to enhance the visual appeal to what you're, you're, you're dining on. Now, imagine if they just brought out a huge basket full of lemon wedges or parsley and just slammed it on top of your plate. It wouldn't be as appetizing anymore, right? The point is certain things in the song. I'm going back to the song example here. You can just kind of put in there and then pull back. That actually creates for a better experience. But if you take one thing, let's say your kick is just on 10 the whole time or your snare is just blaring the whole time or the vocalist is just in your face the whole time. A song full of that with no pullback whatsoever, it can be boring and it can get just just downright annoying. So going back to my restaurant example, if you ordered a steak and someone just dump, I don't know, they dump a ton of parsley on your steak, that's not appetizing anymore. That That's not appealing. There's, there's no draw for that experience. So you have to carefully place certain things to where they're not overwhelming and volume can be one of those things. If you overuse volume for any given thing and push it to 10 the whole time, that can be a problem. And of course, on the opposite side, you can't have everything scaled down to where it's barely audible. Now, for the purposes of this podcast, I did not go into the the um, the proper phrasing for dynamics, meaning I didn't talk about pianissimo, piano, mezzo forte, those types of things. And for for those of you that know these types of things, they, they are very good concepts to know as we discussed in our previous uh, podcast in the game section that music theory is a very very good thing i don't want to get into those official names right now what i would like to do is just have you focus on just maybe the degree of sound so for instance our uh, band leader will usually use a scale of one to ten ten being your full 
blast. You're playing as loud as you possibly can. One, you're barely audible. And I would recommend as you're going through your song, you will carefully think about this instrument, this vocalist, this uh, percussion piece. Where is it on that scale? And I would highly recommend a variety. Certain things, sure, it may be eight or nine. Let's say your kick drum or your snare. Depending on the style of music, it may be your bass guitar. But the point is everything cannot be on eight or seven or everything shouldn't be at five. Even if you can, even if you go in the middle, if everything is at five, again, you're achieving the same depth of sound for everything or volume and it becomes very, very boring. I recommend a diverse mix of volume for your sound. That alone will create a lot more interest in your music. And before we talked about mixing and mastering and things like that, um, this is one of those things in the mixing portion for your music difference in volume can go a very very long way something that you're mastering will not be able to do if you guys are familiar with the episode where we went through that all right let's move on here's my final point about dynamics use your dynamics to create a path to the top of the mountain so i'm kind of tying everything that we talked about together and what I mean by the, 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 the previous statement about your, your dynamics leading to a path to the top of the mountain, I believe that you can create a scenario where 